0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works Editor-in-Chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangustein, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll look at the latest mixed signals coming from China's economy. We'll also take a step beyond China and look at the latest setback for Chinese internet companies overseas, in this case for JD.com in Southeast Asia. We'll start with the economy, which is always a hot topic for China watchers, especially now that many are waiting to see if things will bounce back with the ending of China's zero COVID policy. The latest signals are mixed with the purchasing managers index down 0.8% in January, marking its fourth straight month of decline Meantime, the consumer price index was up 2.1 percent, marking one of its bigger recent jumps. So, Renee, uh, these two indicators are a bit different. Can you take us
1: through what these latest signals are telling us? CPI um, is the consumer price index. And uh, the, one of the differences between the two, obviously, is that the CPI includes not only goods, but also services. So um, if you look at it from that standpoint, what does it seem to indicate looking at at both sides? One, that there was some slowdown on the goods manufacturing part uh, on one hand, and it's generally attributed to the uh, improvements in supply chain with uh, fewer hiccups along uh, the supply chain, which obviously caused prices to go up uh it's the second reason is lower global commodity prices and one that obviously comes to mind immediately uh if you look back over the past 3 4 months is uh, is oil prices and finally a weak property sector which obviously undermines demand for goods On the CPI, on the other side, include includes services, and as the economy reopened, beginning of December, it would be normal that uh, there was a jump in the consumption of uh, services as people were eager to return to some sort of uh, normal life.
0: Okay. Let's go on uh, inflation. I mean, uh, CPI is is generally considered a, a gauge of inflation. And inflation has been a big mm-hmm. problem for the rest of the world over the past year, as, as everybody knows, but it's actually stayed quite low in China. Um, why is that and, and do you see it becoming more problematic this year,
1: especially as China steps up its stimulus spending? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, until recently, the economy was extremely subdued um, The uh, across pretty much everything, including services. People were consuming less. People were, uh, you know, less confident about their futures, more concerned about the futures and so on. So there was overall less uh, demand for goods, less demand for services. When compared with what happened in the West after the reopening post-COVID, as consumers went back into consuming and resuming a normal life, that created substantial demand for goods and for services, which obviously fueled inflation. Inflation was also in part the result of severe problems along the supply chain, at least if you look at 2021, the second half of 2021 and most of 2022. These problems have uh, also globally kind of subsided a bit. But that's, that's the difference between the Chinese economy and the rest of the world, which reopened much faster. So you would expect that uh, in the coming months, as uh, consum- consumption rises in, in China, as the government implements a number of stimulus measures that they have announced, that would have some definite impact on prices on the upside. Mm-hmm. On the other side, China is obviously a fairly controlled economy. So I think it has a bit more of an ability than, than economies in the West to um, hold back inflation hmm. to some extent.
0: Do you think, uh, I mean, I've been in China for for God knows way too long and, and it seems like we rarely see inflation above 3% here. Um, you know, it almost seems too... Too idyllic, uh, especially when you consider that it seems like prices are going up faster than that. Um, do you see inflation ever popping above 3% in, in China, or is that going to stay pretty much in that sort of 2% sweet spot that they seem to lay? Uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, it's, um, I think it's still very early to gauge. Uh, what is going to happen on the consumer side in China in the months ahead. If you draw a parallel with what happened in the West, then definitely inflation should surge. On the other hand, it seems that uh, after an initial burst, and and some of it related obviously to Chinese New Year, that uh, a lot of Chinese consumers are pretty careful in terms of how they spend money or what they spend right now, despite the massive surge in savings Mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic. Um, And there was actually an article in the South China Morning Post this morning that uh, alluded to the fact that a lot of the middle class people who took mortgages when mortgage rates were higher are now uh, spending money, part of their savings, to actually pay down their mortgages because they're, as opposed to consuming, because they're concerned about what the future holds, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the economy, in terms of employment, in terms of health care. God forbid there would be another pandemic and so on. So there seems to be a break somehow on what I would call revenge consumption, as we've seen it in the West. And, and on the final note, I was quite amazed. I mean, I went from the airport in Beijing this afternoon to my hotel, and I used to do that trip fairly regularly, and it used to cost me about 100 quai. And uh, I was expecting, I don't know, I was expecting three years later, 120, 130. And I ended up pretty much at the same level, so as if, There had been absolutely no increase at all, which I thought was pretty interesting and quite remarkable, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say during the pandemic, definitely things have been a bit depressed, but uh, stay tuned and and see, you know, what happens now that sort of they've they've lifted all that. Okay. next we'll look at JD.com, which is announced it's leaving Indonesia and Thailand. The company came to both of these markets about five years ago, aiming to export its brand of online shopping to Southeast Asia. But after five years, the company's barely made a dent in the market. That's in stark comparison to two of the market leaders, Lazada and Shopee, which are backed by two other Chinese Internet giants, Alibaba and Tencent. So, Renee, any thoughts on why j d has failed so miserably, especially compared to the more successful strategies of Alibaba and Tencent? Um, you know do you think it might be linked to j d s strategy of doing business under its own brand, whereas we can see pretty clearly that Alibaba and Tencent basically built up completely new entities from
1: the ground? I'm not convinced about that actually, um but I think it's also important to realize that it's not because a company is uh, successful in a country inside a culture that uh, it will necessarily guarantee success in different parts of the world, even if it's Southeast Asia and not, you know, the US or Europe, and in different cultures as well with different regulations and so on. So I obviously am not an insider at the JD, I'm not too sure exactly what happened, but um, it is also a fact that uh, there is a general tendency among uh, some companies that have grown uh, substantially over the past two, three, four years, very often by leveraging debt, piling on number of staff and so on, to have come to the conclusion that uh, you don't have to be everywhere, you don't have to be everything to everybody, and uh, sometimes it's time to just, uh, you know, shrink down a bit, go back to uh, your core and uh, produce a better overall performance in terms of uh, stakeholders. Uh, let's you know. Let's also realize that Amazon, for all of its might, was never really able to conquer India either. They went in there, you know, many many years ago with super expectations of becoming uh, the dominant player and so on, and and uh, growing very fast. They're still there, but that really hasn't happened that way. Mm. And then finally, a lot of e-commerce companies really expanded uh, too fast um, during uh, the pandemic and we can all remember the pundits declaring very forcefully that the e-commerce was going to basically kill brick and mortar shops and so on and there was no discussion to be had about that the trend was clear and off we go right and that is not really what is happening when you look at it today so you know, you see that with Amazon also cutting back on investments, laying off people, cutting back on warehouses, and, and all of that. Uh, mm. So it, it may just be more of the same here. And, uh, you know, maybe both Alibaba and Tencent, after all, are much better at, uh, at managing expansion outside China. Yeah,
0: I guess that's true. And you'll also, I guess, we, most of us will recall Amazon tried to go into China as well, and they, they really haven't done anything there. I don't right. even know if they're still that active there.
1: Okay, particularly if you think about Alibaba, Alibaba has, you know, an extraordinarily deep management bench, and and uh, you know they have global-minded people who run that uh, company overall and all of its particular businesses. So I don't think that you can find the equivalent of that. For instance, at JD, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with Tencent, but definitely you don't have that depth and that global expertise at JD hmm. that you have at Alibaba, for instance.
0: What I mean, what do you think? My I guess my my reason in in saying you know JD going it alone versus uh, Alibaba and Tencent sort of going more local. Um, do you think there's a, a a local hesitancy at all to to you know do business with a, a Chinese name? You know, given their Sort of their not great record for privacy protection, and you, you see what's happening, you know, with TikTok in the U.S. now. Although that's that's more political than really individuals. But I know WeChat tried to come to the U.S. at one point, and you know, people were like, eh, "Do I really want to be given all my personal information to a Chinese company?" Do you think there may be any reluctance in that regard?
1: I don't know. I do not find the same awareness. Or concerns about uh, data privacy in Asia in general is, I, as we all know, exists in in the US, North America, and and Europe in particular. So I'm not sure that particular issue is is a major issue here. Uh, maybe maybe after all, Alibaba and Tencent were better at leveraging, uh, you know, a lot of local talent who understood the markets and the culture much better and teamed up with each and every one of them to build those more uh, localized, at least as you look at it from the outside, localized businesses. I'm not too sure it's the name as opposed to maybe the way that they went about uh, building a business in in those different countries.
0: Okay, all right, fair enough, And, and also I guess We should note that Shopee, at least, and and I think uh, Lazada as well, are not exactly doing that great. Shopee was in all kinds of headlines last year for layoffs and and stuff, which I think Mm -hmm. goes to sort of what you were saying about, you know, Amazon and everybody uh, maybe jumping the gun in terms of everything turning to e-commerce.
1: Yeah, it's not just e-commerce. It's also social media. Okay.
0: All right. thanks everybody for joining us this week. In our next program, we'll look at China's slipping taste for luxury. And we'll also look at the Popeyes fried chicken chain, which has announced a major new move in China after sputtering in the market. Goodbye for now. Goodbye.